Welcome back to episode four of Class Holes. My name is Preston and joining me as always is Lucy Murray. Hello. Lucy, if you remember, I said to you, I think off and on air, one million subscribers by episode three. Yeah. We're now at episode four. We didn't hit that, no. I do remember as well that you said you were quitting if we didn't get that. I did say I was quitting. So I imagine it was within inches that we. Um, if inches were a very large measurement, then yes. Well, they are in some households. Uh, so what? Um... <laughs> <laughs> Last week we made a promise. <laughs> Last week we made a promise about health. Yes. And you remind listeners for those who are just tuning in. Those who are just making up the million. Yeah. You said that you were going to go on an exercise bike for, I think it was 20 minutes. Well, yeah, yeah, 10 minutes. And you said that wasn't enough. (laughs) Something I want to pick up in in a moment. But yeah. And I said that I would do at least one yoga session. So in theory, one of us had the easier challenge than the other. Um, In theory and in practice. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't do anything. Perfect. That's annoying. And what I would also say is I thought about exercise less this week than normal. But what I did do is, you know Vogue Williams? She's married to Spencer Matthews. Don't know either of those people. Okay. Anyway, um, she's, they're essentially reality TV people. And she does lots of exercise videos. And I watched the first couple of minutes of one of them. So you, what, you watched someone else do exercise and that was enough to appease you to not do anything for the rest of the week. Yeah. Perfect. I, on the other hand, am a man of my word and I actually, yeah. I actually did it. Did you? I actually did it and there should be some video evidence going up on our social media accounts. It nearly killed me. I'm going to go with you. Like, it was eye-opening in that I realised that I am, like, criminally unfit. So uh, how many minutes did you do a day there? 20 minutes every day. Wow. So, I'm really sorry. I feel bad now. Uh, I hope you do. Talking of feeling <laughs> bad, what's coming up on today's show? So I think we're both aware that we've um, not taught anyone anything. So I thought that uh, this week I should actually bring something that I'm qualified in to teach. So I'm going to teach about Fibonacci, the ways of the world and oh, everything. Wow. So... And also, we can all learn how beautiful we actually are if you have tape measures. And I, I thought that I was going to teach you that English isn't just about dusty old, old uh, books, Lucy Murray. It's about Excellent. effective communication. I can't wait to find out how to talk to someone properly. As a co-host of a podcast. First part is Fibonacci sequence, and then by extension, Golden Ratio and life itself. 
So, um, imagine do that you know what the podcast? No one's <laughs> that, Lucy Murray. No, exactly. No offering that. Do you know what the Fibonacci sequence is? I know roughly what it. I mean, I kind of feel like I need to make a confession here that maths was always the subject I outside PE, and I feel like I've kind of put that to bed already. Math was always the subject I hated the most at school. Uh, I never really got into it. I th- do you believe in that kind of like you're either a literature person or a maths person? How did you get on with literature? No, I got on fine with literature. So you're a genius is what you're trying to say then? No, no, no. no. I'm saying I was fine at both. I just preferred maths. <laughs> what is it about maths that you that you like? Because I, for me, it was just endlessly complicated. I had, to, I'm going to be honest with you, in terms of cult of the personality, I had some boring maths teachers as well. No one really inspired me too much. I, I really enjoy that it's certain parts of it. And when it starts getting difficult, it's like a puzzle. Um, And I quite like solving things and riddles and things like that. So I once said, and this doesn't sound appealing, um, but I had this like complex thing to calculate in university and it was like five pages long of algebra and difficult stuff to work out. I can't even begin to imagine that. Like I, I, I did like creative writing modules and I can't, I don't have the imagination to conjure up what a maths degree looks like. Oh, it was hard. It was hard. Definitely. But, um, and basically the whole way through the five pages, I felt like I was drowning. And then once you get the final answer, it's like you can finally breathe again. And I just loved that feeling of relief. So that's essentially why I like maths. Well done. I can, my, my memories of maths is uh, this very, um, very put upon teacher that I had in year seven uh, who looked like a badger and was subsequently named Badger for the next couple of years for the poor. Oh, no. Um, yeah, I'm almost certain I don't think I learned a thing from him. I have vague recollections of Sokotoa. Um, yeah. I was actually went on a, uh, I went on a school exchange when I was 16 to a very prestigious private school in the US. It was there for mm-hmm. a few weeks. Um, we were like guests of honour and stuff. The, our trip was so disastrous that their school severed contact with our school afterwards. They refused to repeat. This was, a, this was an exchange that had been repeated for like a decade. And our, our year group severed contacts with them. And it, one, one of the reasons they did was because their phasing in of us was disastrous and I can remember I was a you know I was a good kid at school I think maybe cheap laughs were my thing sometimes mm-hmm. um, and so no different than now I haven't grown too much I think I'll yeah be you. and I uh, I remember sitting down there was this girl that I fancied that I was sat next to it's uh, like all American girl like the homecoming queen like I, I obviously aimed high Lucy Murray <laughs> You're like, because if you have a British accent, they think you're like the Beatles when you land anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, they were learning trig, and I was thinking about, I've got a great joke here. Sokotoa, the bloke was going, oh, some old hags carry a huge tub of ale or something like that. Right. You know, to remember it. Yeah, yeah. So I wrote, sex on holiday causes a high temperature or AIDS, right? Wrote that down. Oh. Passed it discreetly to the homecoming queen. She couldn't believe her luck. She's thinking, this, this Brit, right? Not only was he probably related to someone who wrote Hey Jude, but he's yeah. got a great load of mathematical jokes as well. 
what she did wrong was she handed the note on. It went all the way around the class, ended up in the teacher's hand, who was apoplectic with rage. And when he was screaming, totally purple faced at the front, who did this? Who did this? The British boy who joined the class 15 minutes before that had to raise his hand and he threw me out. And I was not allowed to attend math classes in the US ever again. Wow. So, yeah. So I've had a struggle with maths, Lucy. So you, so you did really well. You teaching me okay. Fibonacci, et cetera, is going to be important. Okay. So Fibonacci sequence is essentially, you just take the two previous numbers, add them together and you get the next. So you start off with one. Sure. And then one again, because that's like zero that's plus two. one is one. <laughs> no, but zero is the number that's not there. So it's zero, one, oh, one. Man. This is too complicated. <laughs> One, one, and then one and one is... Wait, so it's, it's zero and one. But zero isn't counted because it's not important. But we're effectively, the reason why there are two ones at the beginning is because it's zero plus one. So it's so one. One, one, and two. then one and one is two, yeah. And then two Three. and one is, yeah. And then five. Eight. And then, yeah. I'm trying to remember what the uh... I know, and then it's five and eight, which is thirteen, and it carries on going all the way. Um, so this, there are to infinity. Then, well, it's it's a never-ending sequence. It carries on because you just add the previous two numbers to get the next. Oh, so, Fibonacci. Why do you have this time on his hands? <laughs> he was an Italian mathematician. I think it was like oh, I don't. I don't want to say what year he was. I think oh, it was like 15, 15 something. Oh, 15 what? I don't know. 15 what? I never got this. No one asked me that in school. Anyway. I'm um, they're asking the questions that you didn't ask. <laughs> I'll find so, out the answer. Italian bloke born sometime <laughs> in 1500 and 1599. Sure. Um, that sounds like a great question. Mr. Preston, and I will find the answer for you. Perfect. What teaching taught me to say? Um, anyway, so essentially, these numbers, 5, 8, 13, etc., can be found repeated in nature. Um, he didn't necessarily know this when he came up with the sequence, but oh, then Lord. as people discovered it and used it, they thought, oh, this is interesting. Like, if you look at those, you know, those cauliflowers that are like green and pointy? Sure. Yeah, the spirals of them are all Fibonacci numbers <coughs> and the spirals in a pine cone are all Fibonacci numbers really? and quite a lot of the numbers of petals on a flower are Fibonacci numbers as so well. What, why did he come up with it in the first place? Just as a laugh then? I think so. I think it was just a laugh. In 1500? <laughs> I'll find the answer for that. <laughs> um, but so... There's all of these things. And also uh, in bananas, so you have a banana so there. Told, I got a quite cryptic text message, which was the homework was bring a banana to the recording. And as yes. you can see, Lucy said banana. Now, I hate bananas. I loathe bananas with a fiery passion. Okay. And I record <laughs> this in my bedroom. So I, I hate the smell. I hate the texture. <laughs> and, and, you know, like this is for you. Okay. Oh. I want that acknowledgement. So do, I, do you need me to open it or? No, no. Can you count how many sides there are? What, the little ridges? So yeah, in between the ridges, like how many faces are there? Okay, there's one, two, three, 
No, you're counting way too many. There aren't that many. Well, that, 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 what are all these things? I don't eat bananas. No, no, about. that doesn't count. Right. See, that's one right on the front this, there. This that's is... one. Yeah, okay. that's one whole right. bridge. One, one, two, three, four, I think. There should have been five. <laughs> okay, I'll hang about then. One, one, <laughs> two, three. I can't see how there'd be five or something. Okay. Like. Oh, hang about. Well, yeah, I've got one here. One, two, three, four, five. You're right. It does have five. Okay. So most bananas have five sides. Four, and four, they five. say that because it's a Fibonacci number. If a banana has a four sides, mm. um, then it's a mutant. <laughs> really? Yeah. And actually, interestingly, as well, just an off topic about bananas, um, they're like as a bunch, they're all genetically clones of each other. So if one in a bunch has four, then they should all, being mutants, have four as well. But so anyway, that's bananas. And then if you remember, I was saying about as you get far up the numbers in the Fibonacci sequence, you've got massive, massive numbers. Sure. If you divide the larger number by the smaller number, you get a number like 1.618 and, and it's called the golden ratio. And this is supposed to be an indication of how beautiful something is. This is my point. You know what? My, subject, <laughs> my subject constantly gets nitpicked as being this airy fairy. <laughs> look, look at Preston making up his Chaucer stories, right? You're telling me about some bloke that five somewhere between five and hundred <laughs> years ago lived uh, pulling numbers out of his ass and then just and, and going oh yeah it's a banana and stuff like that tell me more well, about the golden ratio what's going on here yeah but they also showed that like the golden ratio is evident in oh, what's it, you know with the greeks acropolis yeah um evident in the acropolis i know that's bad <laughs> what's that with the greeks i don't know the economy <laughs> yeah go on <laughs> Anyway, so the Acropolis, that has the golden ratio evident in it and the pyramids and everything, but also supposedly in us and how beautiful so, we are. So the golden ratio, does that mean it relates to if something is aesthetically pleasing? Like we like yeah. it because of that? Yeah. So an easy way thing to do is to have a look at how beautiful your finger is, if I remember correctly. So if you measure from this, like from your knuckle to well, your fingertip, Okay. Can you can see? choose, have a look at your hands and decide which one you think is the most beautiful. Well, my, both my hands are disfigured. I have disfigured <laughs> hands. I don't know if you know this. Um, I don't know this. I, I've got uh, deformed hands. Okay. Well, which is your favourite finger? Can you, can you see that? As a really bent little finger. They don't meet at all, do they? No. So I know for a fact that you're going to say I've got ugly hands. <laughs> regardless of what Fibonacci has got to say about this. So, so what do you want me to do? I want you to pick your favourite finger, the one that you think is the most beautiful. <laughs> the most beautiful finger out of all these deformed fingers that I've got. Yeah. This, this feels needlessly cruel. Um, <laughs> I'll go for this one then. I'll go for this one. Okay, so measure from the knuckle to the fingertip. I'm going to get a tape measure for this. Hang about. Okay, so... The finger to the knuckle, yeah? Yes. Is about eight and a half centimetres. Eight and a half. Okay. And then 
Actually, I no, from eight centimeters. Eight. Okay, and then measure from the knuckle to the this one. Okay, perfect. <laughs> the top bone before. It's about six. Okay, so eight divided by six is equal to one point three. So we're not quite there with you. So your fingers aren't quite perfect. So you're saying but... that. So I've told you the <laughs> deformity, right? I told you that I have deformed hands, and you, to an audience of <laughs> one million people, you know, we're assuming yeah. your hands are not quite there. <laughs> Imagine saying that. I hope you're not going out on a Thursday to clap for anyone. If I'm being honest, yeah. You're, you're a cool. But I've got. I have actually done this on myself. Well, and you've got um, perfect hands, have you? I haven't got perfect hands, but close. Like, I only tested one finger, so the rest of them might be munters, for all I know. <laughs> Munter fingers? <laughs> yes. No, I actually, when I did this in a class of um, girls of, like, 12 years old, some of them got really upset. <laughs> so what, is it that if your finger comes out as a Fibonacci member, you've got beautiful fingers? As, if your finger comes out as uh, the golden ratio or close to the golden ratio, which is 1.618, then you supposedly have most beautiful fingers. And there's also like ratios all over your face, but it's a bit difficult to like measure them. Do you know what? In this body conscious world that we live in, I don't want maths turning against me as well. <laughs> the thing is, though, it's not. The idea is that it's um, natural. So it's that our bodies are supposed to grow in this way. So it's not, no one's judging you if you don't have... Fibonacci is. Fibonacci is actively judging me from beyond the grave. You, a maths teacher, <laughs> have just judged me for having, quote, munter fingers. <laughs> no, I said I might have munter oh, fingers. extension, you were calling me munter fingers. My extension of that. I'm just going to quickly check when Fibonacci was alive. Ah, so um, turns out he was born in. <laughs> turns out he was born in one thousand one hundred and seventy. Oh, you're finished. <laughs> <laughs> you are finished. He was Italian, though. Okay, lesson two. This is our specialism week, I suppose, Lucy. Yes, exactly. Like you taught us about maths, and you know, I, I learned I learned several things in the last segment. Um, quite quite cold things, if I'm being honest, and things that will give me moments of reflection over the coming weeks and months. But I'm going to teach you a little bit about English as a subject, right? Okay. Now, before you recoil in disgust, and there was a slight look that passed <laughs> over your face there. I'm <laughs> sorry. My subject gets mugged as this dusty old subject and it's Shakespeare and all of his fairies. Okay. And that there is no practical use to English, but of course there is. Okay. English is, is the bedrock of all subjects, Lucy Murray. Because if you... It if sounded like you worked for the EDL then, but carry on. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it, isn't it? The subject gets... All right, let's talk about literature and language then. Literature and language, okay. which is just English. Um, and so one of the bedrocks of it, one of the foundations of, of it, is effective communication. And Lucy Murray, I'm seeing it all of the time at the moment. There mm -hmm. is no effective communication in our society. So I thought what I would do is I'm going to dust off 
you know the books and mm-hmm. I'll tell you and teach you how to communicate effectively great because I don't know how to do that well some comments have been made about the podcast is all I'm going to say <laughs> uh, so <laughs> this is just aimed at me is it <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this won't even be aired this is, just, this is me luring you into don't worry I'll, I'll sort it out I'll sort it out don't worry I remember getting into it into English as a subject for cash reasons, primarily at the time, I'll be honest with you. But you went into English for that. <laughs> I went into teaching because I thought. Oh, okay. Be, I thought it would be like a real money spinner. <laughs> Great. I thought of all of the careers that I could do that would generate serious wealth quickly. Teaching would, was up there. Yeah. I, yeah. I told you I wasn't necessarily that great at maths back. At <laughs> so you know. I think I think my wage packet looks somewhat like the Fibonacci sequence <laughs> at the beginning of my teaching career. But I think I had these grand aspirations of being, and I'm I'm going to say this to you. It was Robin Williams in Dead Poet Society. Okay. If anyone can get those kids on those desks, it's me. And so that's why I went into teaching. And then you realise actually when you get into it, it's perhaps not as kind of poetic and as, as majestic as you initially sign it up to. I can remember actually like effective communication. I can remember being um, in my first school and we used to have to do these reading lessons and it was mm-hmm. essentially aimed at students who weren't effective communicators and whose literacy levels weren't as high as they needed to be. So they introduced these lessons into the early years, like year seven, year eight, where they would literally just have reading time for an hour. I think that's great. Do you read much? I am actually rereading Harry Potter. Okay. And where are you in that at the moment? (laughs) I'm in Philosopher's Stone. Chapter one, Philosopher's Stone. (laughs) No, I decided to reread Harry Potter because um, Daniel Radcliffe did a recording. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. So I listened to it and then I was like, oh. And then carried on. So I do read, and that is what I'm reading currently. I do read. I read The Wizarding World of Harry Potter one <laughs> every seven years. So will you commit to that, though? Are you going to read all of them? I have, is Rand- I'm like, 100 pages in now. Well done. Okay. Thank well, you. Reading, reading is very important, right? Reading, it, it unlocks everything. If you can read and you read for pleasure, the whole world becomes so much easier for you. Is that mm-hmm. we have this kind of thing, particularly, it's this anti intellectualism, I think, that exists quite widespread in the UK at the moment. That reading is this kind of very fancy, very fluffy thing to do. And like, why read when we've got Netflix and PlayStations and stuff like that? So, this thing was made at the school where it was like, right, we're going to give the kids an hour in the library. They can sit back, relax, they can read whatever they want within reason, and they'll like progress up this chart and stuff like that. For me, it was purely an admin lesson. It was making sure, wandering around like the Gestapo of literacy, just make it like looking over kids' shoulders. They're like, are you reading? Right, chapter one, chapter three. And then one of my other duties as someone with three degrees was to sit behind the library desk and just check out books and things like that, right? Or just man the desk, okay? Yeah. And I can remember, I was like a couple of weeks into my teaching career at this point, and the desk used to get absolutely swamped by kids at the end where they're like checking in books or checking out books and all this kind of stuff or getting their little, they used to get prizes they read and stuff like that. And this one kid must have queued diligently for about 15 minutes. Okay. Now, effective communication comes in here because if you're a kid with a problem, I don't want to hear all the politics and like the, oh, the whinging and whining. Tell me what your problem is and I'll try and give you a solution and I want it like immediately. 
this kid yeah. was perfect. He told me what went wrong. Okay. So he for about 15 minutes, stands in his place. He listened to your queuing podcast. He knew exactly yeah. what he was doing. He wasn't cutting any cues, Lucy Murray. He was making his way effectively up the line. Let's call him Bradley. I don't know. I can't remember his name. Let's call him Bradley. I said, Bradley, what's going on? He went, sir, Jonathan just farted in my face. And I looked at him. There was a moment of pure silence. Like, not only was it in the mind, but it was me thinking, what am I supposed to do with that information? And B, don't laugh. Because no. if he comes up to you and very stoically says, a child has farted in my face. Basically, this is your problem now. Yeah. What do you do? <laughs> you have to tell off Jonathan. You've got to tell off Jonathan. Well done, Lucy. Like, clearly you've been a teacher for some years because that's the first thing you do. But there's a certain way in which you do it. You need to effectively communicate to Bradley, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. And in society, one should not tolerate a blast of methane gas from the guts of another, another human being directly mm-hmm. to the golden ratio. All right? <laughs> That's not fair. No. Secondly, you then need to apprehend the criminal. Culprit. The culprit, yeah. You need to apprehend him. You need to apprehend him with effective communication as in, A, I know the crime. B, there will be consequences for that crime. But C, crowd control. No one else should know. (laughs) No one needs to know that because you're putting Bradley at risk. Yeah. You don't want to make light of the situation. Mm -hmm. If I shout across this library, did you... Did you just fart in Bradley's face? There's no way I'm getting to the end of that sentence. We both know that. We both know. So that's where effective communication comes in. It's all about processing information and knowing how to talk to one another, Lucy. Right. Do you think you're an effective communicator? Do you think that you impart information in a succinct and successful way? Yeah, well, I think that I'm... I communicate exactly what needs to be communicated. Like the thing that drives me insane actually is that people message me in work and message in the morning and say, Oh, hi, good morning. Sure. Now what they want, they really mean I've got this thing that I want you to do, but they feel like they need to go through the whole, like, yeah, exactly. They need to go through the whole small talk. They need to say the whole, how are you? How was your weekend? I don't want any of that. So when I message someone, I say, Hi, can you do this for me? Sam. Wow, so you are cold then. <laughs> I think so, yeah. yeah, yeah. You've got shit fingers and do it for me now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you were looking directly at me when you said that as well. You seem to take like, real pleasure in saying that. Is that something that you wanted to say in the previous segment? You've only just built up the courage to do. Um, yeah. Well, effective communication comes from, I think, I the message that you want to impart. You're absolutely right that we put a lot of this fluff around uh, around it. And in doing so, the message gets lost. I think this podcast mm-hmm. is <laughs> absolutely full of, it. of that. Yeah. It's about knowing your demographic, Lucy Murray. Yeah. Okay. To a kid, you've got to use that kind of child-friendly language. Teachers are the worst for this. They treat everyone like children. <laughs> Don't you think? I, 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 every time I'm, I can identify a teacher at 60 paces, they all think they're Miss Honey from Matilda. In fact, they're, they're somewhere between Miss Honey and Miss Trunchbull, I would say. You're either a Miss Honey or a Miss Trunchbull in teaching. 
I dress differently now I'm not a teacher. Really? Yeah. Talk, talk to me. Well, no, it's just that when I was a teacher, I kind of felt like I had to have a bit of a, like a uniform, so that if someone saw me outside of school, they couldn't think that I was, well, anything different other than a standard person. So you were more dressed like Sandy at the beginning of Greece rather than the end? Yeah. Oh, now I'm like the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the moment your resignation went in, you came <laughs> like your hair like fluffed up. in exactly. Vaseline into that dress. <laughs> and just smoking a fag. Going, all right, well, this is me in July. <laughs> See you later. Brilliant. Yeah, essentially, that was exactly what happened. Do you have any questions about effective communication that you want to ask, that you want to effectively communicate to me? How did you effectively communicate to Jonathan that his behaviour was unacceptable and cannot I be repeated? I, I, knew it, I knew he'd done it instantly because I shouted Jonathan across the library and yeah. his face was one of pure glee. <laughs> it, was, it was as if someone had given him the golden ticket. Right? He'd done the crime. But what's more is he wanted acknowledgement for the crime, like the Zodiac killer. Right? Mm. He was like the Zodiac farter. You know, like when, when you hear these like horrific crimes and things, it's not enough for them to murder someone. They need to like play and they want the yeah. acknowledgement. He wanted they had to go back to the scene of the crime and experience it again. And I think he was like very much lingering in the scene of his <laughs> own kind of scent. And he was so pleased with himself, which made me want to laugh even more. Yeah. Because let's be honest, we all we both know farts are funny. Yeah, exactly. At the primal level, they're quite funny. Um, I can remember actually in my teacher training being in a, uh, I was ha having to observe this teacher in a very like hooligan class it was. Right. And this woman was desperately trying to write the date up. And while she was writing the date up, a kid farted, right? And it was like a <laughs> kind of thing. It was, like the, it was like the last post. It was like a bugle call. <laughs> And she, I could tell every part of her wanted to laugh. And because she was facing the board, I saw the pen beginning to shake. And she was, and she was a Canadian woman and she was going, it's not appropriate. But her, uh, it, it, every part of her was not communicating it wasn't appropriate. Every part of her was actively communicating. Farts are hilarious. <laughs> and they're basically my kryptonite. If you do that in this class, I'm going down. Yeah. To show Jonathan that I, I was impervious. To, to the crimes he was doing. So I'll tell you what I did. I yanked him out of the library. Yes. Took him away from the audience. Yeah. Took him out. And then I questioned him. Effective <laughs> communication. I didn't say, I, I, what, what, what happened? What happened in the library? And he just looked at me. I said, no, no, you tell me what happened in the library. And he went, I went, speak clearly. Speak clearly. If you're Effectively communicate this. Exactly. Speak clearly. Effectively communicate to me. I want some eye contact. All right. I want tone of voice. I want register. And then he actually had to say the immortal words of I farted in Bradley's face. And every part of me, every part of me wanted to break down at that point. And be <laughs> as a teacher, can you? So like I used to have to like dig my fingernails into my palm <coughs> trying not to laugh because you have to like set the jaw and stuff, didn't you? And I, was, mm. I really communicated him that he'd be spending the rest of his, you know, um, childhood in detention from there on in. The rest of his childhood. Oh, fair. I think he's still in there now. I left a couple of years ago. I'm fairly certain he's still, you know, I, th I think he counts as a key worker. He's been there. So long. 
yeah. <laughs> life imprisonment. Communication. <laughs> know your message. Know your audience. Consider mm-hmm. gesticulation. Eye contact's always important. Yeah. And make sure that what you've communicated has registered. So do you feel like, uh, without getting too political, but are you watching the daily press conferences? I'm watching or... them like a hawk. <laughs> okay. Do you feel, who do you feel, so it goes better, who do you feel is the most effective communicator out of our motley crew of main people? <laughs> not, not to get uh, political, but which pirates do you think have <laughs> morals? I would say Rishi. I would say the Chancellor of the Exchequer. I'd say he's the most effective in communication because he speaks slowly and deliberately. He uses the pinched finger thumb gesticulation point. I have noticed that, yeah. Almost like an okay, yeah. Um, he, and the, the language he's using is very deliberate. It's concise. You know, he's imparting information. Boris Johnson, on the other hand, terrible communicator. He is full of bluster. His hands are kind of like jazz hands going off on, on one. He looks like he's only really one word ahead of you. It's almost <laughs> whilst you're registering one word, he's bumbling about the next one. That's bad communication. There we go. So there you go. go Prime Minister, it. awful. <laughs> Prime Minister slammed by class holes. Okay, here's the plenary. We made it through episode four. Yeah, and I hope that today, you know, we actually taught things that we're qualified to. So I hope that people all learned something, even if you claim that you didn't learn anything about Fibonacci. Did you learn someone else did. education? Yeah, I learned that you are a bad person about Boris Johnson. <laughs> And, and that I sanctioned a child to life in jail for... Oh, yeah, no, that too, for farting in someone's face. Well, for farting in Bradley's face. Last thing we need to teach today is social media awareness. We are on social media. We are. We are on Twitter and Instagram at ClassHolesPod. And then if you want to send us your ideas of things to teach in future lessons... Uh, gmail at classpodholes at gmail.com perfect so email us follow us get in contact and don't forget to subscribe on itunes or spotify yes and on itunes if you can drop us a little review yeah we've got two five stars (laughs) which is 10 stars in total but it's kind of annoying because we both do have two parents which means that we've either taken both half or or my parents have and you you know that, that the matrix isn't working out there my parents definitely haven't given i don't think my parents have listened that's how supportive mine no i don't think mine have either anyway episode five coming out next monday yes see you then bye bye